Hello, and welcome to the FinTech Surge podcast, the first FinTech podcast from the Middle East for the Middle East. I'm excited to be joined today by the one and only Vikram Pandya. Thank you for joining us, Vikram. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you. And uh, for those who are unfamiliar with Vikram, he's a fintech influencer with more than 15 years of experience across banking, startup consulting, academia, and venture investments. And he is currently the director at SPJ Global. He's the founder of the Association for Emerging Technologies, which is a nonprofit initiative, and is heading the research at fintech focus VC firm Veranium. So um, I, I kind of wanted to, to, you know, as the expert of fintech, I just wanted to hear in your simple terms, what is fintech to you? Sure. So when we look at, you know, simple term fintech, it is nothing but use of technology in design and delivery of financial product and services. To give some examples, let's assume that when we are driving a car and when we ask Google Assistant or Siri that, okay, Google, find me the nearest restaurant. That becomes your pure tech part. But the moment we say, okay, Google, book me a table at the nearest restaurant and pay for that, then that journey becomes fintech journey because there there is a component for embedded finance. And that is the fintech in nutshell, what you can understand. Great. And, and for our audience, what do you think is the most common example of fintech improving everyday life within the UAE currently? Sure. So I have seen UAE journey since last few years. And when we look at right from payment to lending to wealth management and insurance, all these four areas are developing very rapidly. And specifically within that, when we look at payments, the day to day life of an individual, you normally have eight to 10 transactions on an average. And when we look at the ease of payment, right? The moment you can make micro transactions, the moment you can do certain binopilatory transactions, you can increase both wallet size as well as ease of transaction will increase the sales revenue for the merchant. And this is number one, in my opinion, the change that I have seen. And second change, of course, rise of the super app, like let's say Karim. So you know that in UAE, when we look at the transactions are connected in a way, right? So why somebody may want to pay? Why somebody may want to borrow? Why somebody more to invest? So if you have an ecosystem around it, like Karim, or there are many more neobanks also in UAE, like Rise. Now, when we look at all these different startups, they are creating this new approach where ecosystem approach can help them cross-sell the product. And by doing so, they make sure that these individuals are getting hooked into their ecosystem and then they are able to grow in future. Yeah, absolutely. And from personal experience, I can tell you that the UAE has quickly evolved. Uh, I've only been around the region for about seven years. And I remember going to the mall when I first got here and not every merchant within the mall accepted credit cards. And now I can literally WhatsApp the grocery store downstairs and they come with a credit card machine every time. So it's, it's a lot easier to get services and it's a lot easier for merchants to deliver services um, pretty much across the UAE to a, a large spectrum uh, of people who otherwise they would have had to close their doors to. And just to add to that number, when you look at in 2020, the latest number that I had, around $19 billion worth of payment happened. Okay. 
and that payment has grown almost 2x during the pandemic as you can understand and it is increasing rapidly second advantage that you have is partnership that uae has done with let's say upi very recently right and when you look at from that perspective even more better payment solutions payment instruments will be available soon and the big migrant population in uae will be able to do many more transactions by making sure the cost of transaction goes down and it is much more easier for everyone to use even if they don't know english they can use it in local language all those are the benefits yeah absolutely and um so obviously clearly you're very knowledgeable in um in fintech and i think your your cv speaks for itself uh so tell me a little bit about you know your journey into fact how did you you know get into the space and when did you start embracing the space of fintech so when we look at the journey of fintech itself it started around let's say 2019 mainly after the global financial crisis where banks were busy in doing the compliance and the customer experience was not that much of of a focus and suddenly this new age tech companies realized that okay we can make sure that the banking as a service is given to the customer and by doing so the customer centric approach the experience around the product can be much better and when that happened around 2010 11 I was working in a bank in India, and uh, I saw that as a new opportunity. And I personally, as a customer, also was feeling the same thing. That when you look at the banking experience itself, right, it is not something which is enjoyable. And the moment you look at the fintech, the way customer-centric approach is created, and you can identify the opportunity immediately. That yes, this is going to fly because ultimately. banking as a service is required but banks are not so banks are becoming utility company in a way and this fintechs are becoming distribution arms for them and in 2013-14 mainly i started looking at in india specifically this new fintech companies which are coming up from the partnership perspective because i was part of the uh, senior team for the strategy and when we were looking at this new fintech partnership i got involved in that and by doing so i started even understanding more about this industry what works what doesn't work and by 14 15 i started my own consultancy also within the fintech area i started this program called fintech for professionals specifically to make sure that the working professional who are with let's say 15 20 years of work ex and now they want to shift into fintech industry they can understand this fintech better so i started this program in 2017 for which i am director right now and uh, this program has already served more than 500 very senior people and uh, we look at more quality rather than quantity so it is the live program where we try to make sure that people understand about this nuances so this is the entrance point for me and then i started investing into the startups fintech startups specifically because if you look at the overall ecosystem it makes sense to then start from the sourcing to then investing and uh, as a part of ecosystem i have created this association for emerging technologies where i help this new emerging fintech startups in lowering their overall cost by making use of new technologies right so this is the 360 degree coverage that i wanted to do and thankfully i am able to do it 
That's great. Yeah. And one of the things that, that I picked up from your journey was that uh, you kind of recognize that fintech is something that really touches everybody, right? It's not something that is specifically reserved for banks. It's not something that are specifically reserved for, you know, tech enthusiasts, but it's something that really improves the lives of everyday people, in which case it's something for us all to get excited about. Absolutely correct. And if you look at today, the reality is every company is becoming kind of a fintech company, quasi fintech company, because of the embedded finance journey, right? So I will just explain this term called embedded finance or connected commerce so that viewers can understand. Whenever we look at any journey, any product journey, let's say you are trying to buy a ticket and fly out of UAE. When you are buying that ticket, now as a part of that journey itself, if you are getting EMI, which is the lending product, if you are getting insurance, which is again a different fintech product, but your original purpose was to book a ticket. And this air ticket that you are booking is the journey that you are taking as a user. But as a part of that journey, you are able to add now this different fintech product. And this becomes embedded finance or connected commerce. Because of API, application programming interfaces, you can today connect two different systems together without having great integration effort. And this is changing the way today the banking business is happening and everything as a service model is coming up. You look at AI, ML, all these technologies one side and then you look at industry use cases like payment, lending, insure tech and well tech. All these things are coming together and are becoming individual embedded finance product which can be put into any user journey. Yeah, that's great. And so and I love that example that you use of my goal was to to travel from point A to point B. And because of the fintech, now we can all of a sudden have the the payment online. We can have the insurance attached to it. Um, you can even have like a hotel or a car booked on place on on the spot whenever you arrive there and also you know you can pay for it before you even show up um you know these, these are all things that literally um you know 10 years ago would have almost been impossible and, and now it's basically a seamless journey to get to point a to point b plus 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 all of these things that uh, fintech can add to your experience definitely and just to add to what you said right? so more and more businesses are realizing that you need to be there where the customer is, right? Customer may not come to you. Customer may not be able to discover you. So today, majority of this fintech journeys are embedded journeys where customer may not know about that company, but because of the partnership, overall ecosystem is growing. Right? And yeah. even banks today are looking at this all small fintechs and large fintechs as a partner rather than competitor because they know themselves that they cannot distribute everywhere. They cannot have cost advantages in some of the areas. So banks are very happy at handling corporate connections and uh, corporate businesses while they are saying, okay, in some of the retail side where we don't have our expertise or we can't provide that experience, we are not agile enough. We will partner with fintechs, let them handle the distribution part. And that is what we have seen everywhere, including India, UAE, Singapore, US. This is the reality. Right. So, so in your opinion, do you believe that, that banks are welcoming and embracing fintech or do they sort of see fintech as you know, a threat to their day-to-day their -day operations and how they've been managing their business for years and years? 
very interesting question because as i mentioned most of the cases they are looking at them as a partner but there are certain areas which they are very protective of right so you know that businesses where you have very high margins and if you are happy to give small margin and let someone distribute it for you then they are happy because this retail lending product are like that so they are more than happy to do that but then there are certain businesses where the margins are smaller but value wise it is very huge so volume is small value is large and margins are let's say medium to low that is where banks are not partnering with fintechs rather than that they are focusing on this business areas by their their own and one more example i will give you when you look at on the fintech side today all these small retail customers that fintech can, can bring is mainly because of the customer experience that they can provide and they may not want to give customized services however it is a mass customization rather than individual customization right and even banks when you look at from the corporate perspective they give you relationship value by looking at one corporate at a time because they are the large corporate so i think it is suitable for them to look at two businesses together and separately as well where you can identify more margin you can look at more volume rather than value then give it to fintech as a partner businesses where you see more value low volume and lower margins or to medium margins they are happy to work with corporates directly yeah great and so you know having said that what do you think that is the current uh, state of fintech what are what are some of the, the biggest concerns right now that fintech is actually solving so when we look at in ua let me divide the landscape again right when we look at payments and lending it is already somewhat mature and when we look at insurance and wealth management it is still growing rapidly right and it is something which is new relatively so in payments and lending the major contribution from fintech comes in terms of financial inclusion because whatever we say at the end of the day there are new to credit customer there are people who may want to transact but are not able to transact maybe because of cost maybe because of not able to get the right product which is better fit for them by making sure that the product is designed specifically for this target audience fintechs are able to reduce the cost as well as increase the value for that customer and this is proven in last 4 to 5 years even in uae you have seen so many neo banks coming up specifically let's say rise etc which are catering to this unserved or underserved population and globally also we have seen the similar scenario where this tier 3 4 cities which otherwise is not bankable by bigger banks are getting serviced by this fintechs and believe me this is where the majority of the growth is really and uh, when you look at the overall pie because of this new ways and means by which you can service this customer your overall pie size is increasing and that is a win win situation for everyone and in my opinion fintech is mainly focused into creating win win situation for all the partners right whether they work with lenders or borrowers or whether it is the retail customer they want to make sure that if they go to bank maybe the experience may not be similar maybe the costing you may not get the same one which you are able to give suddenly because you are doing the risk pooling much better underwriting using alternative credit scoring or data 
So all these things put together creates this new experience for this new to bank customer, new to credit customer. And when we look at the three layers within the overall fintech, right? One is the banking side of it, where entire BFSI is there, right? Banking, finance, services put together. Second, you have your entire customer base, whether it is B2B or B2C approach that you take from the business model perspective. Your customer base is the second layer. And then this fintech is sitting in between to connect both this layer. And today, in most of this uh, emerging economies, when we look at or emerge, emerging use cases that we look at within this emerging economy, right? most of these players are working with B2B2C model to reduce their overall cost initially. And then they are going for B2C model, given that otherwise it is negative unit economics model. Yeah, so I mean, I think you said perfectly that they're actually lowering costs, increasing value, and increasing the size of the pie, right? Yeah. I mean, this is just the you know, it sounds like a win-win for everybody, and and I definitely agree with you with the the B to B to C model is you know first you know, in order to scale, you know, put it in turn into the hands of the organizations, the institutions that already have the customers that are already marketing to the masses. So that way, you know, your your products and your technology can benefit the most people possible. And then once that's happened and once you've, you know, really generated the revenue and created, you know, sort of a proof case for the technology that you've created, then you can start marketing to the customers directly. Absolutely correct. And yeah, one point to add there, when we look at today also in India for that matter, right? there are government-led platforms available, you know, like Aadhaar and you have all this new account aggregator model coming. So in India, you have a unique position where you have all these things available. In UAE also, interestingly, you have, again, government-led infra available, where this UAE pass, which is a common pass across all the citizens, which you can use for certain things. And this infra really helps you to connect all the services together, right? And going forward, this will become kind of a nucleus for growth. Yeah, great, great. And Vikram, we've we've spoken a little bit about uh, you know, pay tech, about how easy it is now for for customers and merchants to, uh, you know, give payments and receive payments through you know seamless technology. We spoke a little bit about you know how you know insurance is able to embed their fintech into other products. That way it becomes easier and more accessible uh, for people to purchase insurance, for example, the travel insurance. Uh, and we've spoken a little bit about the digital banking as well. You know, that now we all, I think, have our, our banking app on our phone. It's easier now to, to transfer money to people. It's easier to deposit checks, check your bank balance, you know, these sort of things with digital banking. But when it comes to digital banking, what do you think is the next big step? Have we, you know, reached the top of what digital banking will allow us to do? Or is there, you know, kind of digital banking 2.0 on the horizon? Very good question, because this is the exact question which when you look at all the fintechs across the globe, right? Their entire model is around data, right? All the fintechs, when you look at ultimately they play with data, they try to identify some AIML model using which they can cross sell and do all these things. And today, when we look at all these new regulations which are coming across the globe, whether it is PSD2 in Europe, whether in India, when you look at uh, we have account aggregator model, which is allowing you to transfer your financial data through registered intermediaries in a way. Whether you look at Singapore with their Personal Data Protection Act that they have put, China or even UAE for that matter. All these 
different geographies are coming up with their own data protection laws their own methodology where the data can flow in a regulated manner and open banking for example in uae i don't know how to pronounce this whether it is correct or not but it is called tarabut uh, gateway and uh, that is the biggest open banking gateway in uae so i don't know whether i'm pronouncing correctly because in india you have tarabut also so i'm just trying to make sure it is correctly pronounced so that tarabut gateway if you look at they are working on this connected ecosystem where through open banking people can then identify use cases they can understand that okay this is what i want to cross sell whether there is an opportunity to do so so that is the good initiative in my opinion and slowly but surely this small ecosystem players are becoming bigger and the impact that they have because of that is also becoming much bigger very soon i think um, when we look at regulation wise you will have similar regulation in uae which will even have registered intermediaries sharing the data which is in transit or at rest all those things will be part and parcel of the regulation right and, and as you know that uh, you know fintech surge the podcast is actually powered by the fintech surge event which is hosted at the dubai world trade center in october of 2022 and you know we're excited that you know part of fintech surge is we're going to have a digital banking summit which is you know going to bring in 80 speakers 80 plus speakers from all around the world uh, discussing the most pressing issues and solutions uh, for financial institutions so what are you hoping to hear at this year's um, fintech surge uh, digital banking summit great in fact i'm first of all very happy that uh, this kind of initiative is happening and uh, i can tell you one thing which is going to be very critical as we all go ahead and use open banking or digital banking for that matter right and uh, first of all just to make sure your understands or listener understands the difference between open banking and digital banking open banking simply means that the owner of the data basically when you look at the owner of the data is the user and bank is the custodian of the data so open banking allows you to share your data and this data can be consumed by any partner uh, that a bank has or a fintech that you would like to allow right? so that is what happens under the open banking which means that you are the owner of the data and then you can share it with whomsoever you want on the other hand digital banking is more around how to bring entire banking experience itself on digital platforms making sure that it is more and more digital automated and when we look at in the combination of all the different tools available in the market it becomes easy to use and wherever and whenever you are trying to use that service it is available right so that is the main difference there so coming back to this uh, the question that you asked what is that i am looking forward to the question that everyone today asks is that how can we have truly global interface where all this data can get transmitted transferred let me give you one simple example right so today most of this new agreements which are happening they are happening with the data localization norms data localization norms means that one country whatever data is hosted in that you cannot share it with outside companies right so in this scenario how to share the data what kind of data processing can happen 
can you have legal brokers right or regulatory brokers which can look at the data put some encryption on top of it allow people to let let them look at the inferences rather than look at the data itself what kind of data you can share in what format you can share it is going to be very interesting to know i'm hopeful that this kind of topic can be discussed given that this is exactly what the future will require today we already see with gdpr in place with uh, india's pdpb which is going to be act very soon in singapore as i mentioned the act is already live all these data localization norms are having conflicting results so how this can this entire thing can work is very critical on the digital banking side however when we look at we want to understand similarly how this entire experience can become as a service model and can you have a distribution done directly as a white label model that is another thing i think can be very interesting to look at yeah and vikram maybe you can uh, clarify for our audience you know you it went on a little bit about the the open banking and how it allows you know us to really own our data and to be able to share it with whoever we like um obviously this is beneficial because it allows you access to more things that allows some more to, more catered experience catered specifically to you based on the data that you provide um but i think that you know this might be something that actually could be a little bit scary for the audience because you know i think that whenever we're talking about data especially when it comes to our banking and financial data this is typically something that you know we don't want to share so so how do you um how do you you know add a little bit of layer of comfort in saying that you know sharing your data in this case is actually a positive thing so first of all this is very interesting question to me it's because I, my phd topic is around this right so when you look at in depth understanding of what is that data really going to be by the way most of the data today even if you don't want is getting shared that is the reality right and data brokers are everywhere and you know that how it happens so here the only thing that we are trying to do is to put legal boundaries around what data can be shared who can share the data who can give the consent so here the user gives the consent so it is the consent driven data sharing and i will tell you why this can be useful so let's say i have my mortgage with one bank and now i want to move from bank a to bank b today i need to go to that bank b ask for the document required i need to go to bank a get the documents back and submit to bank b suddenly because of this what we are looking at is a scenario where most of the times this process is very cumbersome it requires more uh, interactions with customer and believe me today in manual process it is more likely that your data might be misused and when we look at the same thing with consent which means that here you have registered intermediaries which we call as let's say account aggregator right so registered intermediaries are sitting and regulated they are regulated by regulator in whatever country we are referring to right so this regulator will do audit and everything this is kind of a blind postman which will encrypt the data and based on the consent will deliver it to the data requester so you have data provider you have data requester and then you have a customer who provide the consent so in this scenario when i want to transfer my mortgage from bank a to b bank b will request me for the data and this data request i will provide the consent for it will go to bank a based on the regulatory framework bank a is bound to share this data in a secure channel 
and it can only be read by bank b because it is encrypted that way so now instead of having something just running in the wild you are putting process around it and this is much more safe method of sharing data rather than just doing it manually or doing some other way yeah makes sense so so i guess that the concern over you know the ability to share your your data is actually we're we're putting more processes in place where you actually have a lot more control over how and when your data is shared as opposed to the current method where uh, it's being shared anyway just not by you correct 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 and the okay. trust also trust factor is very critical given that it is regulated given that there is audit happening and given that there are clearly mentioned roles and responsibility of all the participants in the ecosystem you are more likely to have more trust on this ecosystem than the earlier one and second part is that let's assume that you don't want to share it is over up to you you decide you are the data owner so ultimately it, it makes user friendly approach and it empowers the user rather than empowering data broker which they are doing today any which is yeah fair fair so it actually puts the power in the user's hands um which is actually a positive thing for everybody and i think we can all feel a little bit more safe and secure knowing we actually have control over our data and the ability to share it a lot more seamlessly so our processes run smoother so it's more comfortable it's more convenient and you have more control over it absolutely here um knowing that you've uh, participated in the fintech surge event last year um is there anything that you want to tell our users or our audience about um you know what they can expect whenever they visit uh, the fintech surge this year sure i was very glad that i had attended last year in fact when we look at the overall event the opportunity that you have to meet leading fintechs in this region and making sure that you are part of that live event is very different experience altogether given that we are used to now virtual events and this again face to face event has its own charm so i definitely urge users to join in person and i again will be there for sure so look forward to meeting you guys welcome i mean i think we we really went over a lot of things today we discussed you know how fintech really you know touches everybody we discussed how it allows merchants to be able to increase their revenues as you mentioned uh, reduce costs adding value and increasing the size of the pie it's a way for for users to really you know take advantage of embedded financials to where you know they don't have to you know go to five different websites just to make sure that they have their travel booked their a uh, hotel book their taxi book their insurance book this all can be you know taken care of through embedded finance which is something that fintech solves um we've discussed you know the difference between open banking and digital banking of course they're both positive digital banking allows the entire banking experience to be basically brought to you in a virtual digital place and then open banking allows you to have a lot more control over you know the data that's being shared how it's being shared and what is being shared which is you know it's a huge um it's a huge benefit compared to the current state which is basically your data is not in your control and it's being shared anyway just not by you uh so we definitely appreciate your time and you know we we definitely look forward to having you here in dubai uh, in october and visit you at the fintech surge in person sure looking forward to that For more details, go to fintechsearch.com and let us know who you would like for us to interview next. Thank you for listening. Until next time.